Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Live from the Videotech, the Facets Podcast. Facets is a nonprofit film center in Chicago, Illinois. We've got a video store, we've got a movie theater, we have a annual children's film festival, the largest of its kind in North America, summer film camps for kids, all kinds of things going on. Check us out at facets.org. Today's episode uh, is another remote episode. I was hanging out with an old friend and a Facets legend. He worked in the video store for many years. He still is a projectionist from time to time uh, here in the theater. Bruce Neal, ladies and gentlemen, uh, anyone who attended the video store regularly in the 2000s probably had a pretty intense, fun chat with Bruce about any number of films, often several films at once. Uh, so we talked to him for the podcast. Enjoy. Actually, anywhere. I mean, you can, we can talk about Medea, but actually, I don't know that. Which Medea? Pasolini no. or Von Trier? No, I was talking about like a. a Mad Dia. <laughs> Mad Dia? Tyler Perry. Oh, Tyler Perry. <laughs> Let, let's, let's go with Madia. Madia instead. Lars von Trier, released by Facets I don't actually, on DVD. Actually, I've never seen that. It's a short. It's less than 60 minutes, I think. And it's very grainy. Intentionally grainy. And kind of beautiful. But a I'm lesser... Taking the time. A lesser von Trier... I would say. Right. Yeah. But... And uh, um, the major friend, Von Cheers, I mo- almost uh, universally have problems with. Uh, me too. Yeah. I'm not a huge Von Trier fan. My favorite... I, I think he's undeniably powerful, but I think he's also manipulative and... Uh, uh, a little f***ed up. A lot. <laughs> f***ed up. <laughs> but... But I, I have to admit... I cried like a baby for Dancer in the Dark. And it wasn't when all the tragedy happened later. Um, the, uh, uh, when... I mean, it it was a downbeat film from the jump. And, uh... uh but when the first song uh, started up in the middle of the factory and, and Bjork's doing... Uh, Bjork starts this joyous number uh, about factory work. Is it broken? No. Don't worry about it. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. Um, I just started gushing like a f***ing rain During the first musical number? Yeah. So it, it uh, wasn't even the last. It wasn't an accumulative... Well, I was... I, I wouldn't say I was in great shape by that point either, but... but <laughs> I've never um, seen Dancer in the Dark. It was a release of tension and uh, uh, an oh. unexpected outpouring of joy. At what minute mark does this happen? It's, I've never seen it. It's like um, it's a it's a it's like a fifth into the film, you know. Twenty minutes. Yeah, I, twenty I don't minutes know how into long the film. It is. Yeah, thirty. You know, second reel. It's like the first song <laughs> that you hear, and it's so unexpected. It just comes as joyful, in in such a downfit. Beat, beat film it, it uh, 
It fucked me up. And of course, the later parts of it are more consciously manipulative, as in, as in, uh, um, uh, you know, I'm sacrificing my sight for my son and, and the tragedy and, yeah, you know, all that stuff. Honestly, I, I've never seen it, and I want to change the subject from Lars von Trier. I, the only film I really like by von Trier is Five Destructions, but I'll, that's a subject for another podcast. I still haven't seen that. I want to talk about another European director who just passed away. Milos Forman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, great fucking filmmaker. Um... Probably doesn't get uh, enough credit because of his integration into Hollywood, and uh, um, and you think? yeah, actually, I think it, it probably Cuckoo's Nest was Hollywood. Sure. Yeah. What was his no. first Hollywood? Um, <laughs> it's funny, should I? Yeah. No. <laughs> taking taking off. taking off, I think was his first yeah. Hollywood. Yeah. Uh, and a script by Buck Henry, I th- it might have been solo. Might have been collaborative script, but it's brilliant head road movie, uh, coming of age film when all the films were coming of age. It, but I mean, one of the best like um, hippies versus straight movies ever made. Okay. And uh, it has it. has the cinema verite kind of yeah. thing that Cuckoo's Nest had, uh, but it was a lot wilder um, and had a genuine connection to the. Um, uh, counterculture. Oh, yeah. um, now, this is the one where uh, I've seen a YouTube clip of a guy instructing a, some elderly ladies how to yeah. how to uh, smoke a joint. A brilliant character actor. Uh, what is that guy's seen name? A million fucking things. A million things. Lazaro. Yeah, well, look that up on IMDb. Anyway. Yeah, Victor. Net. I yeah. Victor sounds good, but uh, he, he was also he was also one of the crazy people in. Um, in uh, Cuckoo's Nest, he was oh, the right, skinny yeah, guy that, that stood next to Danny DeVito. Yeah, <laughs> slightly different hair. Right, and you know, I mean, uh, he, no you've blush. seen him in a million fucking things. Oh, I, yeah. I, I, he's really good. But um, but before you get into that film, uh, it, it's about all these uh, uh, these hippie kids who were on this audition. Uh, to be part of the show, or someone who's trying to exploit the counterculture or whatever, there's a, it's a sort of open call for, you know, hippie free spirit. So you, you have this beautiful audition sequence. Is it a film um, within a film or a play within a film? Yeah, yeah, you could even say that. It, it almost seems like a, a documentary. I have a feeling... It's another thing that made Foreman great is his kind of a play tradition, storytelling tradition. Yeah, yeah, he... Um, uh, he had almost a documentary style. Well, that too. And uh, um, during a certain period of his career, anyway. Uh, and uh, it, it's one of the most brilliant audition sequences in, in all film history. And there there've been a lot of good ones. This is in Taking Off? Yeah. And, and it's just uh, um, all kinds of kids who self-identify as hippies or, or, or you know, counterculture folks... Um, including a very young Kathy Bates, who uh, is singing the most depressingly dark song about horses you could ever imagine. <laughs> I can't remember off the top of my head, but she has some sort of pseudonym. Um, 
like flowers baits or something like that. <laughs> gunner baits. <laughs> right, gunner baits. Gunner. I think that's what I told you originally, but yeah. I don't think that either is true. But it's something like that. <laughs> and uh, it's way before she became a, a, Tim a rightfully uh, acclaimed actress. Tom Robbins says. Sorry. Uh, yeah, very rightfully acclaimed. Um, and uh, uh, but she was apparently a really a real folk singer. A lot of these auditions were actual auditions. I mean, so that's why it's got a documentary a, aspect. I think yeah. they they snookered a bunch of genuine Greenwich Village hippies well, into yeah. auditioning for something. Yeah, and they so probably stole their they using real their material. They probably didn't pay them shit. <laughs> or, it was, it was or probably zero. volunteer work. It was yeah. an internship. Right, and and uh, uh, they got gold from these people. Wait, so so you're saying this whole audition scene is just the intro? It's a prelude. Is it a pre-credit kind of thing? or? Well, it, it might as well be, but it, it, it's the extended intro Yeah. Uh, in a way they wouldn't do anymore because it actually functionally has nothing to do with the plot. Yet it's magnificent. Right. Um, it, it 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 truly is an experimental film, and 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 I can see why it never made dollar one, but it's brilliant. It's a it's an amazing satire. Um, and Buck Henry cannot be underestimated in his role. He he's a he's a he's a actor in the film too. Oh okay. Is he a, is he the sole screenwriter or? Um. It's okay if he's not. Actually, I think. <laughs> uh, I think the other. Screenwriter is uh, um, someone amazing. I think it might have been Wu Wells collaborator. Um, well, that's but interesting. I should look it up and then we should re- start recording again. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it is. I think it might be Jean Claude Carrier or whatever. Um, well, let's look it up. Yeah, let's look it up. Okay. All right. So we looked it up. Right. Yeah. But but Henry isn't a writer. He's an actor. Um, but I was right. Uh, Jean Claude Carrier. Um, the collaborator with collaborator Boonwell, one of the the great screenwriters At of all times, time, yeah. was uh, uh, and John Guar, um, the the playwright, uh, and Milos Foreman, uh, and John Klein. I'm not sure who he is, but four writers. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, it's uh, it, it really should be up there with Easy Rider. Um, oh, yeah. and, and this is 1971 and smarter in a lot of ways I mean it's almost as if uh, um, it's a few, e- couple years later too though right 71 right yeah, yeah. but it's in that tradition and it's probably yeah. was made because of that yeah well it was part of the American New Wave right right, uh, right. dark social satire um, that, it, that, violent? that 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 um, it was almost de rigueur violent skewers everyone yeah, um, it only fits in with the tradition of uh, uh, the coming of age '60s head movie, is that it skewers the, the old, old generation more than it skewers the young, but only slightly. It skewers the young too. It skewers it skewers the counterculture and the and the establishment. But the whole premise of it is uh, um, that these parents are uh, searching for their runaway daughter, and they. Uh, um, they it's find connection with with a, a whole bunch of other middle class parents who have runaway hippie children, like a um, support group. Yeah, and they become there's a little convention support group of uh, all these parents, and they're they're uh, the clip you mentioned, which yeah. happens late. In the it, film. it wasn't elderly. 
Victor Scriabelli. Victor Scriabelli. No, well, we, can't, I, we can't look up another one, Bruce. We, we no, reached I, our one lookup right quota. There's no late. more pausing. Well, I mean, I was going to... I was going to bring up a movie. Uh, I was afraid it wasn't going to be too tangential. Go but ahead. Have you ever seen Jonah, who will be 25 in the year... 1985 or something like that. Do you yeah. know this movie? <laughs> That's a cool film. You've seen it. Yeah. I, does it is it in the same sort of tone as this as taking off? Would you say? Kind of. Yeah. I was just wondering. <laughs> I was just wondering. Um. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know that other film well enough to. Uh... I've only seen it once, but it's very. Schiavelli. Uh, playful. Art, art, wait, Anthony Schiavelli? Uh, Vincent. That's oh, Vincent uh, Schiavelli. Yeah, yeah, I was actually pretty close. Ladies and gentlemen, Vincent Schiavelli. Look right. him up, you've seen him. He's been in a lot of things. He was in the second Batman movie. Fast Times at uh, Ridgemont High. Oh, well, yeah, that's... Ghost, t- Tomorrow Never Knows, Death to Smoochie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Storied career. Indeed. I mean, almost all those coming-of-age films from the, um, the late 60s are are flawed. This, this is one of the best ones. This one that really has a connection to the counterculture. They're um, all flawed, and that's okay. And, and uh, the great thing is it has a couple different generations of writers working simultaneously. So you have the voice of the counterculture, but you also have... A voice that satirizes the counterculture. Absolutely, which is beautiful. You have both voices, um, and it also satirizes the uh, their parents in the establishment, but not without compassion. They actually, it's not just they just they don't hate the old folks. Yeah, it actually has a little sympathy for and them. And the old folks don't hate the kids. Right. They all love each other, but right. But they don't know how to misunderstand each, each other. And that's what the film was about. Yeah. Not, that no, none of these people know how to talk to each other. Taking Off by Milos Forman, 1971. Yeah. I mean, what else besides Cuckoo's Nest deserves some talk? I mean, he, he did well, a thing called Black Peter. Oh, yeah, that's great. But Fireman's Ball. Fireman's Ball? Ball's great. Ball's great. <laughs> <laughs> Appropriate, appropriately enough. What year's uh, Fireman's Ball? That's before I went to America. Oh, okay. So that's the late 60s. Right. Um, <clears throat> that's that's also uh, that's brilliant. Uh, uh, Satire of the repressive society that he lived in, and the the the, the hopeless bureaucracy, and the I mean, um, there's a real through line between Fireman's Ball, Taking Off, and Cuckoo's Nest. All three of those films have a documentary-like quality, um, but a uh, but also a ribald satire. Of, yeah. of, of human nature. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, what did he do? I uh, mean, I actually, I, I, I have no problem at all with Amadeus. I think it's a great. Oh film. yes, Amadeus is that's the one I want to see the most. After hearing you passed and reading some appreciations, I was like, my next rental is Amadeus. You've seen it before, I, right? Yeah, I have. I've seen it two or three times, but not for twenty five years. Not since it came out, and. Well, the play was great, and Milos Foreman, I mean, unless maybe Stanley Kubrick had done it, you couldn't really have beaten this version. It, it was great. 
Yeah, it's it's Kubrick. It's almost pop Kubrick in a way. Yeah. I mean, actually, I, I think Kubrick and, Kubrick's and pop Ford, too. But uh, Foreman, uh, they are share similar. a lot of techniques. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I was gonna uh, say that it's Foreman was. I mean, a member Kub- of the Kubrick had enough success to be um, a. Uh, uh, a removed iconoclast in a way that Foreman never had the success. Didn't have, he didn't have the luxury, or, yeah, not or maybe he didn't have the willpower or the intellect, but he almost did. He yeah, was, oh yeah. He, he was, was like, he's like, he's just a notch below. Well, Cooper. he had the style down pretty well. Let me. So of course, uh, we know Man on the Moon and People versus Larry Flint, which right. were late period Milos Foreman. Was there anything between Amadeus and those? Those films <clears throat> well, without not, looking it up. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm, I'm not going to do the uh, the order of them. Right, not in hair. order. It was hair. Well, hair. Or yeah, we're going back to taking off. So what? What you? No, hair is in the era of taking off. Yes. it was actually done in like 1980 or 1970. Oh right, you're right. It was late 70s. Right. That's right. Yeah. So it was a. Um, and that's good. It, it was a. Um, one of the uh, the early examples of film taking on the recent past. Right, um, which was only taken up again a period when, piece when uh, was just five the Coen years. Brothers did Big Lebowski. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> you didn't, you don't have film uh, until fairly recently taking on the recent past. Recent past yeah. period pieces. Right, right. That's a whole subcategory. <laughs> it is. Thank you for listening to Live from the Videotech, the Facets Podcast. Since 1975, Facets has connected people to independent ideas through film. It's our goal to make sure film continues to have the power to remind us what it's like to be human. All of our programs expand on this simple, empathy-driven idea in many unique and pioneering ways. Learn more at facets.org. And you can come visit us in person at 1517 West Fullerton Avenue, Chicago, Illinois.